I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. I remember that first Easter I was here in April of 1995. It was a great day. I happened to watch the video of that service not too long ago, and um, the crowd was big. There was great music. We had bells down front, brass in the balcony. There was a great sermon. As I watched this video, I looked out over the crowd, the shots they took, and looked at all the saints that are no longer within our sight, and I noticed all of us who are still here, who were there that day, and that were a little bit older now, some of us with a little less hair, but it was a great day. Three days later, the Murrow Building exploded, taking 168 lives with it. Hundreds others were injured, and our city was changed forever. But I remember that week, I remember that week how God was already at work in our city, repairing broken hearts and restoring our souls. Now, the Sunday after Easter is not typically a big Sunday in the church in terms of attendance, but this Sunday was different. As you already heard, we had hundreds of people who were sleeping at the church and would be for days who had been displaced by the explosion. And many of them came to this service. And many of those people who had been here the Sunday before on Easter, well, they all came back to see if God, see if the church had a word for them about the events that had unfolded. And Bob preached what I thought was one of his better sermons that day. He preached a sermon of hope and of comfort, a sermon that helped us to move forward, a sermon that helped us to begin to understand the lessons of that day. He talked about free will and how some of us use that free will to do terrible things, to do monstrous things. But then he also said that we can use our free will to do something completely different. And so we did. As you heard, we had volunteers by the droves who came to the church working around the clock, answering the phones, delivering meals from the Red Cross. Our volunteers would put these meals on these metal carts and they would roll them down the street for 10 blocks to the first responders, many of whom came from all across the country. They would bring them those meals to feed them. It was very inspiring, to say the least. Well, eventually, eventually we would build a memorial here in Oklahoma City, as you know. A memorial to the dead, to the living, and to remind us of the lessons that we learned on April 19, 1995. You know, memorials have an important place 
in the Bible as well. I remember the story in Joshua, how the prophet and the priest, they lead the people into the promised land. And as they cross the Jordan, one by one, they safely get there, and then they build a memorial of stones. They take these stones and they heap them up on top of each other, and the stones and the memorial are there to remind them of what God has done in their lives, to remind their children and their children's children of what God has done. Stones play an interesting part in remembering in Jewish culture. It was 25 years ago this year that Steven Spielberg directed a movie called Schindler's List. You may remember that movie. It was about a German industrialist named Oskar Schindler, who through his efforts saved over a thousand Polish Jews from the death camps by hiring them to work in his factories, his munition factories. And at the very end of this movie, we see a scene of the survivors of those from Schindler's List walking by his grave on Mount Zion, just outside of Jerusalem. And they are all placing pebbles, stones, on his grave, as you will see on many Jewish graves around Jerusalem, although Schindler was not Jewish. The tradition here, we think, may have begun years ago with the shepherds. You see, the shepherds, when they would go out with their flocks, Each day there might be a different number of sheep. And so what they would do to remember how many sheep they had is they would take pebbles and put them in a sling. It might be 20 one day, it might be 30 another day, but they would have those pebbles to let them know how many sheep they were caring for. Today, when you see a Jewish person placing a pebble on the grave of a loved one, they are saying to God, Don't forget. Don't forget the soul of my loved one and keep them in your sling. If our lives are a legacy of what God has done in our lives, how he has guided us, then if we were to build a memorial of metaphorical stones, if you will, in our life, What would we hope people would remember about us? What would the stones say about your life? It was earlier this month that I had the privilege of helping to lead the service for longtime church member Jim McKellen. Many of you knew Jim. He had been a member for over 50 years here at St. Luke's. Many of you remember he was a fixture in the narthex for so many years as a greeter. He was there that day on that Easter of April 1995. And I remembered so many stories over the years from people who told me that it was because Jim had greeted them when they first came to St. Luke's. And it was that first impression that he made that caused them to come back and to want to be a part of this family of faith. But Jim was so much more than just a good churchman who loved God, although that was certainly a very, very important part of his life. But he was a great husband to Ruth. He was a wonderful father to five children, four daughters and one son. And I remember meeting with two of his daughters to plan this service, and they went on and on with story after story about what a great dad Jim had been to them. But just to make sure that I understood correctly, right before our time was up, they said, now, we don't want to give you the misimpression here, 
Our dad wasn't perfect. He wasn't a perfect dad. But he was perfect in intention and effort. After they left, I sat there at the table thinking to myself, and I thought, I had raised five children in my lifetime, and I began to think, what would my children say about me someday? What will they remember about me? Well, I believe all our lives, we are building our memorial of stones. I believe that God plays a part in that creation as well. He guides us in paths of righteousness. He nurtures us. He teaches us. In Philippians, Paul says it this way. He says, God has begun a good work in you that he will bring to completion. In other words, what God starts, he finishes. If we trust him, if we stay close to him, if we let him lead us, like Jim McKellen did for over 90 years, he will not fail us. Paul is writing to this little church in in Philippi Greek. We believe that this was probably the first church that Paul started in what would become Europe. Now, it was his tradition, his custom, that when he went into a new city, a new village, that he would first of all go to the synagogue. And there he would meet his fellow Israelites, and he would begin to preach the gospel to them, to to tell them about how Jesus was the Messiah. However, when he went to Philippi, we are told there was no synagogue. Perhaps it was because of the rule that there had to be at least 10 married Jewish males to begin a synagogue. Apparently there were not. And so Paul and his traveling party of Silas, and we believe also Timothy and probably Luke, they all went down to the river. And there they found a group of women and some other God-fearers who were praying, and Paul began to preach to them. It is there that he met Lydia. Lydia had never heard this message And she was so moved by what Paul had to say that she became became one of his first converts. And she invited Paul and his traveling party to stay at her home, and Paul baptized her entire family, it says. Later, while Paul is still in Philippi, he and Silas, you may remember the story, how they are jailed. They are singing hymns that is late at night when God causes an earthquake to happen and their chains fall off and the jailer is terrified. He's thinking, everybody's escaping. But Paul says, wait, wait, we're still here. And Paul baptizes the jailer and his entire family. It is these relationships that Paul makes when he starts this church in Philippi that he loves so much. Well... It is now near the end of Paul's ministry. He's in prison again, probably in Rome, when he writes to these people that he remembers so well and that he loves so much. And he says, every time I remember you, I give thanks to God. You have been great partners in the gospel with me, and I know that God will continue to bless you in your ministries from the first day we met until now. I know that God is doing a good work in you. I believe Paul is saying 
that God is building a legacy in us also that has a lasting place, a lasting memorial. Now, you know, sometimes that process is not always easy. Sometimes we veer off the path. There are times when we feel that we are distant from God, when our life is in shambles. But God is faithful. I'm reminded of that great passage in Ezekiel, the Valley of the Dry Bones. You remember that story? The bones represent Israel in exile. And just like Israel, they are scattered and without life. But God says to Ezekiel, he says, I can make these bones live again. I will speak to them and they will live again. And sure enough, he begins to speak a word and the bones begin to move. I mean, can you hear them rustling these sun-dried bones in this valley? And they begin to come together bone on bone. And then God speaks again and the bones are covered with muscle and tendons and skin. And finally, God breathes life into these bones. And they stand up and they form an army that is Israel. God will make the kingdom of Israel come to life again because of his word. Like all those bones that are brought to life by God's word, I believe that God has been speaking good things to you all of your life. He wants only the best for you. He wants to bless you. And I believe that God is saying, your best days can still be ahead of you. There are great things that God is going to do in your life. If only you believe, if only we will reach out our hand to the Lord. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels is in Matthew. It's the story of how Jesus comes to the disciples in the middle of a storm. You remember the disciples are on a boat And the storm has come up on the Sea of Galilee and the winds are whipping and the waves are crashing against the boat and the disciples are terrified. And then they look out onto the water and there's Jesus, but they don't recognize him. In fact, they think it's a ghost. But Jesus says, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And then suddenly in that same moment, Peter Peter, the disciple, he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, if it is you, command me and I will get out of the boat and I will come to you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm on a boat in the middle of a storm, I ain't getting out of the boat for nobody. But there's Peter, impetuous Peter, who climbs out of the boat onto the water. And sure enough, what happens? He looks around, he sees the wind, he sees the waves, he gets scared, and he begins to sink. But at that very moment, Jesus reaches out his hand, and he takes it, and he keeps him from drowning. A few years ago, a man named John Ortberg wrote a book that maybe some of you have read. It's called, if you, want to walk out on, if you Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. If we are going to build our legacy of remembrance, then sometimes we've got to get out of the boat. We've got to take a risk. We've got to move beyond our comfort zone. 
I thought about all our folks who made that trip to Russia that first time so many years ago. You remember they were taking the gospel to a people who had basically been shut off from the world for decades, who had never heard the gospel before. The people who lived in Ulyanovsk had never seen an American before. This was the birthplace of Lenin, the founder of communism in Soviet Russia. And I can't help but think that that group of people who went on that mission trip had a little bit of trepidation, but they went. Moving out of their comfort zone, getting out of the boat to walk on water. What have you done lately that caused you to take a risk? To get out of the boat, to walk on water. My youngest born, Rachel, just turned 21. And I recall a story from many years ago. Our family was sitting around in the living room one Saturday night and all of a sudden, Rachel, who was not with us, came stumbling out into the living room in her, in her robe. She'd been taking a shower, and she looked pale, and, and she didn't say anything. She just looked at us, and all of a sudden, she threw up, and she fainted. And we discovered later that she had been shaving in the shower, and she had cut herself, and we discovered that the sight of blood made her react this way. So we got it. Check that box. Rachel no blood. That would have been fine if it had not been for the fact that her big sister, Sarah, who was a nurse, was a big-time blood donor. And Sarah believes everybody ought to give blood, even those who faint. And so she began to work on Rachel, and she began to say, you can do this. I know you can do this. And Rachel slowly began to believe that she could. And I remember that first time she went to donate blood, and I just thought, please, God, don't let her throw up on the volunteer at the blood mobile. (laughs) And she didn't. And ever since then, she's been a wonderful blood donor, despite her fear of blood. She moved out of her comfort zone to do something that she thought was important. She got out of the boat. When was the last time you got out of the boat in the middle of the storm, trusting God to help you do something that is amazing? And perhaps it hasn't happened to you yet, but it will. The God who wants to bless you, the God who has begun a good work in you, has great things in store for you, and he's ready to take your hand. Today is about remembering. Remembering the past and learning from it. Giving thanks for those who are no longer with us. And understanding that the way that we honor those people is to build our own legacy to believe that God has begun a new work in us that is lasting, that God says he wants the best for you and God will not give up. Jim McMillan was a part of that greatest generation that helped to save democracy and the world 
back in World War II. Before he was even 20, he was drafted into the army, and he served in the 1st Army with the 564th Battalion, where he received battle stars for participation in the campaigns in northern France and in the Battle of the Bulge in Belgium. You know, Jim was like a lot of people from that generation, I believe. Didn't make a big deal about his role in the war, serving his country. But there was at least one story that he told. He told a story about meeting a man in a military hospital. A man who had lost both of his arms in combat. And this gentleman looked at Jim and he said, Buddy, have you got a light? And Jim said, yes. And I have to think that Jim thought to himself, I have so much to be thankful for. He was alive. He had a family to go home to. He had served his country faithfully. But I remember his daughter Nancy telling me that her dad did serve her country well. But it wasn't just his military service where he was heroic. She said, my dad was heroic every day of his life in serving his family, in going about his business, in serving his church and his God. He built a memorial of stones, metaphorical stones, that his children will remember for the rest of their lives. Today, we have a chance to shape our story, to build our legacy, to be remembered. What will the stones say about you? It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer as you hear God speaking to you today. Let us pray. Amen.